Welcome back to the Mom Who Works podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Worthen. If you're wondering if you belong here, you do. If you're wondering if you're a good mom, you are. And if you want the permission and power to figure out exactly what you want out of the intersection of motherhood and careerhood, we've got your back. Mom Who Works is for the mom who already works, the mom who misses work, the mom who wants to work, and the mom who doesn't know what the hell she wants. And we're so glad you're here. Moms, we made it. It's officially February. February is the new January in the Mom Who Works community. So if you're feeling really good about where you have uh, started the year, fantastic. If you're feeling a little behind, you are not alone and this is a safe space for you. I look forward to spending the rest of the month just kind of diving in to some more of the concepts in the book together that will help set you up to identify your all so you can have it all. Let's get into chapter 10 today. Um, I'm excited about this one. It's kind of an interesting topic, and I would love to know your thoughts. Uh, Is queen bee syndrome something that you have experienced, or is this completely brand new to you? So let's dive in. Chapter 10, on flourishing, rejecting queen bee syndrome. Featured mom who works, Stacey J., licensed professional counselor, dance studio owner, writer, speaker, newbie podcaster. Area of expertise, therapy, encouraging women. Mom of six, ages 22, 17, 17, 16, 5, and 5. On becoming a mom who works. After ovarian cancer tried to take me out, my dream of a daughter finally came true. I was ecstatic and living my best mom life. I had decided to stay at home for a time, then transitioned to a work-from-home opportunity. My time at home with my daughter was priceless, but when she graduated to full-day kindergarten, that meant back to crisp suits, my favorite black heels, and problem-solving for residents and staff 40 hours a week. Going back to work was life to this go-getter in me, and it was fairly easy to find the balance back in those days of being a mom to one. Fast forward a decade to becoming a single mom, working full-time, and adding the challenges of foster care, and things were not as easy. Yet, as hard as it was to find the balance, I knew I had to add one more element to the mix, grad school. I sat in my office chair one afternoon after running to pick up my daughters from school and rushing them into our apartment with the regular afternoon agenda of snack, homework, chores, etc., As I counted up the hours until I'd be off work, the hours they were spending at home alone every afternoon, I felt sick I would miss out on so much. I was determined to finish grad school so I could not only fulfill my dream of becoming a therapist, but more importantly, have a job that would allow me the freedom to make my own schedule and be with my kids as much as possible. Getting that master's degree was one of the hardest things I've ever done and yet the best decision I've ever made for my children. It cost us for a season, but I have been grateful every day that it has afforded us time together and flexibility for me to be with them. For me, becoming a mom who works meant working extra hard to create the space and balance that is best for us. On remaining a mom who works. These days, the balance is sometimes sweet and often completely whack. Having both toddlers and teens in the house means not only creating a work-life balance, but also strategizing to create experiences that are enjoyable for opposite ends of the age spectrum. 
I have to not only be a ninja at deciphering how to pursue my dreams, but also be in the boat with my kids, their boat. I have learned that being present does not always translate to presence. I learned the hard way that it's easy to drag the kids around in my boat and call it time together. That just won't do. Kids are much more discerning than we give them credit for, and they can sniff out when they are in second or third place to us. Regardless of the words we speak, our actions and time investments give us away. Through personal experience, as well as counseling women who often connect their current life struggles to how they were raised and the importance their lives were given or denied as little girls, I have found that for our children, love is truly spoken not just in the time we spend together, but in how the minutes are spent. My life mission is to encourage, equip, and empower women. Being a mom doesn't change that, but it does mean what I love to do and my gifts and skills to help this world apply to the 17-year-old women in my home, first and foremost. I'm compelled to work. I love the hustle. It's in my blood. The day I stop creating and building things, I will no longer be me. Being a mom who works may look different from one season to the next, which is all the more of an adventure. I'm still learning, but every day is an opportunity for me to grow in remaining as a mom who works. On flourishing as a mom who works. To flourish is to grow and develop in a healthy way. I would have to say that three things stick out to me as important to flourishing in this gig. Boundaries, discernment, and courage. Boundaries are critical. Without them, we have chaos. We become chaos. We feed chaos to our children. Having intentional strategy in our time, emotions, relationships, and health slash self-care is key to killing it as a mom who works. Without mindfulness in the minutes, it doesn't matter what I say I'm about. My legacy will be in what I actually live out. Discernment is a mama must. Whether we are picking our battles, our words, what we're watching and listening to, or what we're cultivating in our home, we have to constantly be on guard, discerning what is good enough and what is best. Sometimes that means what others call, quote, good enough is best for us, and sometimes it matters not if the world is doing one thing. That one thing may not be the best thing for my kids. Each child is different. There is no one-stop shop for growing a child up in this world. We have to discern for each child what they need to feel the most loved and empowered, what fuels and inspires them uniquely as they are where they are, which also changes without warning. Fun. And last, flourishing takes courage. There is not momming our best lives without the courage to try, the courage to fail, and most of all, the courage to own the fact that Out of all of the bazillion women in the world, I am called to these kids. I am chosen and no one can do for them what I can. That's powerful stuff. Have you ever heard of Queen Bee Syndrome? I remember where I was when I first learned about it. I was at a female political candidate's watch party and I could still tell you the name of the restaurant more than 10 years later. It was darkly decorated with deep brown wood and a news crew was set up just outside our room. A dear friend and mentor of mine was about to be announced the victor and I was riding a tremendous high. We had knocked on hundreds of doors, made thousands of calls, and we were so proud to be part of something so meaningful. I was speaking with a male colleague about how several prominent female community leaders had not been supportive of the campaign. 
the values and ideas they professed publicly lined up with the candidate's platform. What was the problem? It's Queen Bee syndrome, he said promptly. It means if I cannot be Queen Bee, you cannot either. I stood stunned for a moment. First, I was not very experienced with a man understanding female dynamics so well. Second, I had never heard this term, and it fit perfectly. It was an aha moment that I could feel in my bones, my entire body sighing with understanding. I finally had an explanation for something I did not know I needed to understand. It helped make sense of the times I had felt punished for doing good work when it threatened to eclipse the work of another woman in my office. It gave me a phrase to use when I was reminded others are not always for me like I might be for them because they believe opportunities are scarce instead of abundant. Queen Bee Syndrome keeps women from promoting other women because the belief dictates that there's only room for one woman at the top. It's false. But in all fairness, it has been conditioned in so many women because the positions they desire have too often been dominated by men. It can feel like there simply won't be enough opportunity to achieve a dream because only a few women get a spot at the top. I'm not being dramatic when I say that I committed on the spot then and there to reject Queen Bee Syndrome. Why? Because women need other women to succeed and to do so in top positions in companies and community leadership and everywhere else. A mom who works shared a situation of being overlooked for a promotion only to find out it was a fellow female who sunk her nomination. Another woman lamented how the older women in her agency expected her to have overcome as much as they had had to in order to get where they are now, instead of recognizing the path they had carved for women to succeed and celebrating others standing on the shoulders of their legacy. Taking credit, paying dues, stifling others, the negative energy surrounding Queen Bee Syndrome is detrimental to the overarching cause of advancing qualified women in the workplace. I vividly remember this situation because this is certainly something I've experienced throughout my career. Perhaps the most damaging of instances was when a coworker in a tight-knit office situation absolutely refused to let me shine. If a client she really wanted called needing something I hadn't delivered on yet, instead of assuring them I was working on it, she would take the opportunity to position herself as the hero of the story and promise to make something happen. Behind closed doors, she vehemently protected herself and her interests, but outwardly presented a for you front. There were times she intentionally let me fail, which is okay in some instances, don't get me wrong, but there was a smugness about it that communicated she was pleased instead of allowing me to learn. I misspoke one time about a subject, and instead of quietly correcting me, she laughed at me publicly. I still remember. I can't not remember the bewilderment of betrayal met with the social pressure to laugh it off like I was an idiot when I simply got something wrong. I'm certain I've been guilty of this at points in my journey, taking credit where it wasn't fully mine to take or micromanaging instead of delegating out of fear, operating out of a scarcity mindset. Scarcity is a belief system that says that if I get something someone else wants, there won't be enough for them. Now, that's what I understand was at play here with this former coworker, but it took an incredible amount of deep work to get to this understanding. I asked our mom who works Facebook community these questions. Have you experienced this with other women? Have you operated this way and learned from it? 
How has a mindset of scarcity impacted you compared to operating with a mindset of abundance, that there's more than enough for us all? Here's what they had to say. It's just that, scarcity. We actually live in an abundant universe, and when we say yes, thank you, our worlds bloom to levels we can only dream of. Renee F. I probably used to embody that Queen Bee thing when I was younger, but it's a recipe for burnout, one of many recipes. Nowadays, I tend to only say yes to things I don't have to be in charge. Can I roll in as a high-quality support person? Sold. Do you need me to chair something or start something or fix a really broken thing on my own? Pass. Sherry G. Yes, I have learned this in a big way the past few years, internally and in relationships. It definitely takes practice and intention. I think some think it's a personality trait or it comes naturally, but I don't think that's true at all. It's a practice. And as you celebrate others' successes more and more, plus make life bigger than just you, it gets easier and easier. It's like it goes from being a practice to becoming who you are and what you do. Candace C. Yes and yes. I have found that surrounding myself with others who are non-judgmental of my ambition and supportive of my success no matter what their version of success looks like is the only way to avoid this. People who buy into scarcity make you worry about it too. No time for that. Haley H. To the point of these brilliant moms, a person who offered tremendous relief and restoration to me was a boss I had for a season who was absolutely spectacular. My success was her success, and the contrast was stark. Sarah was gentle and direct, encouraging and demanding. She gave me grace and demanded excellence. She taught me the value and freedom of boundaries to produce our best work. When you have boundaries, you don't have to check your email every five seconds. The opposite of scarcity is abundance. Abundance is a very large quantity of something, meaning there's not only enough to go around, but there is tons available to you and me and her and she. Abundance mindset is a way of operating that gives you a sense of deep gratitude and relief because there is simply always enough. It's a gracious posture that makes us determined to share, champion, distribute, and celebrate that's that which we receive because it will be doubled, tripled, quadrupled as it is shared beyond what you alone could do. Instead of Queen Bee Syndrome, I choose whole hive energy, and that's what we need to flourish as individuals and as a collective community of moms who work. I think one of the absolute hardest applications of abundance that moms who work face is when it comes to time, actual minutes, hours, days, and years available. Is it too late? Will there be enough for me? Have I missed it? When I think about this concept of time as it relates to aging or career progression or my kids growing up, I can feel pent-up urgency pulsing through my veins, stealing my breath and racing my heart. It feels like the sentiments of OMG, what WTF, and YOLO have merged and multiplied through my entire body. Panic, shortness of breath, uncertainty, rapid heartbeat, vulnerability, racing mind. It hits so hard and so fast and it's so predictable because it's always just this close to the surface of all the things I want to dream and scheme and achieve and believe and live and know. I cannot do all the things I want to do. I can't give my work enough time, my friendships enough time, my dreams enough time without sacrificing my family. Likewise, I cannot do all the things I want to do relating to motherhood. I can't attend enough events, give enough hugs, kiss enough boo-boos without sacrificing my career, my dreams. 
This is a big thought, and it might be true, and it might not be true. And when I observe the pounding pace of these thoughts screaming at me in verbal and nonverbal ways, as I experience them in my body and I witness them in mass marketing efforts, I have a choice to make. Do I go the way of my thoughts or do I choose new ones? Perhaps instead, there is a better way forward and it might look like one of these mantras. It's not too late. There's more than enough. You cannot miss what's for you. There's plenty of time. Deep breath in, deep breath out. A short aside, a bully doesn't stop being a bully until you punch her in the face. There's a difference between subconscious queen bee tendencies and outright belittlement, manipulation, and intentional sabotage. You absolutely cannot allow another woman to walk all over you without facing that head on. Be respectful, be firm, be direct, be strong, be serene. Some of my greatest professional regrets come from times that I didn't face situations like this head on and handle them. Instead, I erred on the side of being too gracious, not wanting to make a scene or ruffle feathers, I told myself. Upon further reflection, I can say with conviction that that's bullshit. It's bred in us from an early age to be nice little girls, but you can be powerful and kind. And that kindness must first be shown to yourself. The way you do that is by showing up and standing up for yourself and others when it's required. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I got a call one day from a mom named Abby. We had met years before in one of the worst professional encounters of my life. Her co-founder was a friend and he had reached out to see if we could have coffee to discuss a project they were considering to create an incredible school in a neighborhood that needed opportunities. I met Abby that day as I absolutely bumbled my way through this meeting, numb and emotionally frail, coming off of having just been fired from that big job I told you about earlier. I should have canceled, but I didn't even realize the condition I was in until I left the meeting and I thought, well, I'm sure they think I'm an absolute mess and I will never hear from them again. While I didn't hear from the company again, one day years later, Abby called me. I'm not sure if you remember me, but I have become part of the Mom Who Works community and I need help. I literally do not know how to do what I'm doing and you were the first person I thought to ask for help. Redemption takes many forms and for me it was a phone call from basically a stranger who thought I had something to offer her after our only previous interaction had taken place when I felt I had nothing to offer at all. We exchanged emails and had a lunch date with warm ramen, the broth just the right temperature to bring comfort and relief and feel like taking really good care of yourself. She shared how big her job had gotten, how her family had grown, and the ways she simply did not think she could handle it all. Did she need to quit? Did she have what it takes? What systems did she need? Was she alone and how she felt? Was she a good mother? No, I assured her, she was not alone. I shared with her the tips and tools I've shared with you, and it helped. But do you know what I believe was the most powerful takeaway from this exchange? When women are for women, things change. How was I to know after that awful meeting, she assures me it was not, I appreciate her graciousness and lies, that it was the introduction she needed to a community I had yet to build? Some way, somehow, an authentic desire to support others was received, authenticated, downloaded, and acted on. Abundance creates a safe space for others to thrive. Some say Queen Bee Syndrome is just a myth, and I hope they are right and I am wrong. I will gladly take that hit 
pop champagne, and celebrate. But the stories I've heard and the experiences I have had tell me we have a ways to go to redeem female-to-female relationships in the workplace. The women who have fought like hell in male-dominated environments to rise to the top deserve every bit of credit and kudos, for they are pioneers who forge the path we now take. And to that point, it is our job to invite, bring, pull, support, carry, lead, and follow as many other women along the same path to the top. We're packing our bags full of grit and grace, dignity and respect, challenge and celebration, determination and ambition, and abundance of resources with no end in sight. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose.